Steve, it is it is Monday. You are in your customary outfit. It must be one thing. The it's the podcast. Tri- it's the pod. It's the the triple B studio is back. See, is we're we- gaining acceptance already. Traction. No, we're not. We're not gaining acceptance. Uh, hi, Steve. How are you? I'm doing wonderful. Great. Wonderful. You always say you're doing wonderful. I guess you're this is easy. This is great. Yeah. Okay. All right. This is the stuff Summer says podcast with Steve. Steve, Steve, we have a busy, hectic show on a busy, hectic week. That's that's all I'm going to say. We, but I would make sure you, you are subscribed to the email letter, newsletter that's going to go out later this week, following preferably me on social, but also maybe Steve on social. But for me, for, for a big announcement, huge, massive announcement coming Wednesday. Well, I'm glad I'm following. This is, I can't wait. And... Um, is it midday? We, is it morning? I don't is know. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't like figured that out. It's coming like 10 o'clock in the morning for concerts. We're going to, well, we, oh, we do need to, thank you for reminding me. We do need to discuss that. Um, yeah. All right. Anyways, so we've got that. We've got a couple other things. We've got Johnny McGonigal from Penn Live on the show. Um, we're excited to chat with him. Go ahead and take a listen to that interview. After that, we will discuss a couple of things, including concerts title games, open practices, and the Pirates game I went to on Saturday. Are you That's excited? a list. I can't wait. Okay. All right. All right. Go ahead and listen to Johnny. Steve, we have been joined by many of your colleagues at the Daily Collegian, but I think it's uh, I think this is the first time we've been joined by one of my colleagues. Nice. Turn the tables. Cool. Good old Johnny McGonigal uh, joins us of Penn Live fame of Johnny, let me ask, let's just start here. Is there a paper in the state of Pennsylvania you haven't written for? Oh man, Darian. Uh, thanks first of all for having me, guys. Um, it's a pleasure. And uh, I mean, look, I, I've worked for a handful of places throughout the, this great state, this great Commonwealth, uh, from you know Philly to Pittsburgh to you know in between now. Um, but it's been it's been a wild ride, and uh, yeah, it's been I, I've really enjoyed working at Penn Live now for just over a year, uh, first season back being last season. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's been a lot of fun. Let's, let's start there. Uh, I think you are, you know, relatively on the beat of, of the more established full-time beat beat writers. One of the younger, younger guys, um, you are also working with two of kind of the older guys in Bob and Dave, um, Jones. What is it like working with them? And what have you learned from them already? It's been quite an experience, and, and I mean that in a positive way. Uh, you know, I've known Bob a, a good bit over the years, uh, even as a student, uh, working at the Collegian, talking to him in the press box, and always super approachable, uh, really nice. And, and one of those guys that, uh, you know, when I was covering Penn State for the Center Daily Times and going out, you know, at the time to Chicago for Big Ten Media Days, and, and Bob would be one where he's like, all right, we're going to this bar, everyone meet up, we're all going to hang out. Uh, you know, Billy Goat Tavern nights in Chicago, uh, some, some cheap beer and some good times. And so Bob has always been about the vibes and, uh, and he's a good reporter too and knows what he's doing. Obviously been covering Penn State for a very long time. Uh, and so when he gave me the call initially, he, he's the one who called me and said, hey, we, we want you to come on to Penn Live and join our team. And, um, and I was honestly a little surprised because I didn't know they even, I, I, you know, didn't know they had an opening, didn't know that, that it was something that they'd be interested in. But uh, as soon as I got a call from Bob and we started talking about it, it just it just kind of fit and made sense. And uh, and Dave's been great, too. I've roomed with Dave a few times uh, this past season. Quite ex- quite an experience. But, you know, the first road trip out of Purdue, um, me and him just sat at a bar by our hotel for a few hours and just talked shop. And uh, we had always, you know, stayed in touch and, and, had, and had talked throughout the years. But um, I learned more in that three-hour conversation about Dave Jones than I learned uh, in, in any previous years uh, speaking to him. And so, uh, obviously, a guy who's been around the block and wealth of knowledge. And so, gleaning anything I can from those two, uh, it's it's been really good. Just a, a solid team, as well as Joe Hermit, who's one of the best in the biz uh, as our photographer. One of one of my favorite people on the planet. Always fun to look for Joe on 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 game day. It's the highlight of my game day. Um, I guess you know you've you have worked. In Pittsburgh, you have worked now in, in Harrisburg, Philly, um, the Collegian, here, there, and everywhere. 
of kind of your professional career now the collegian wasn't our professional career because we took it very seriously um what you know what what is different about pen live kind of than the other places that you have worked and what are you really you know enjoying about and is it does it relate to the content and who is reading the content it's an interesting question because you know look i think i think when i was covering penn state uh for the center daily times you, you always have kind of perceptions of what what it would be like to work at other places and um you know knowing greg pickle uh, who used to work at pen live and I saw the hours that he was putting in sometimes and just churning out content. And, but I'll say this, like there's always a part of being a beat writer where you have to do that. Um, and that's a part of the gig. Uh, but what I've been really like, not surprised because this is how they, they pitched it to me and how they told me things would go, but it's been kind of similar to, to my experience at the Post-Gazette uh, covering Pitt, which has been like, Hey, your editor, uh, my editor at PenLive, Chris Hopkins, great guy, um, pretty hands off. Like they trust you to to do the job the way uh, one it should be done, and to how you feel it should be done, and the different story angles. Like they're not really overbearing or pushing you to do uh, a certain thing or or a certain type of thing, certain type of story. Like I've had the freedom to to do the kind of feature stories and the in depth stuff that I've I've really loved to do, and reason why I really do this. Um, and so that's been a real plus because I knew that the external factors of Penn Live move, that making that move, uh, being able to move back home to Philly uh, was a big driving factor in that. But um, the, the way that they were able to sell me on the fact that, Hey, this is, you're going to be able to do the beat and do the job the way you want to do it. And um, it's really been, it's been pretty similar uh, to my experience uh, at the post Gazette and even at, at the center daily times. Was that, is that your goal is that to me knowing you personally like uh, that is i've always re always really seen you in this position i can only think of of johnny covering you know the penn state football team and, and really nothing else that was why even when you you went to cover Pitt, it was so bizarre to to me um do you think you're gonna do you, or do you want to continue growing and become that you know national what's next for johnny mcgonagall i guess is, is what we're asking yeah look i, I really enjoy covering covering Penn State football. I enjoy, uh, you know, even the little things about beat writing, like getting to know a team, getting to know assistant coaches, analysts, you know, walk-ons, like that kind of stuff. I do really like to, to get to know uh, who I'm covering on a daily basis and on a weekly and seasonally basis. Um, would I like to one day be like a national, you know, whether it's a columnist or features writer, that'd be great. Uh, I do want to stay in college football, whatever I do. Um, that's kind of what I knew, honestly, my sophomore year at the Collegian. Because uh, I came to Penn State uh, initially as like a broadcast journalism major. And uh, I was, you know, touring schools with broadcast in mind, Mizzou and Syracuse and all that. Um, but when I got to Penn State as a freshman, I'm like, look, I love writing. I like doing I did like the high school TV show and the morning show. I like doing that. Uh, I like talking. So I'm like, I'm going to join Com Radio, PSN TV and the Collegian. And I'll just see which one kind of pans out and see which one um, I gravitate towards. And I just gravitated towards the Collegian and then initially and then, you know, gradually gravitated towards covering college football. And so I, that, that's what I like to do. Um, and I don't see that changing now, whether that role is, um, you know, whether that's, you know, that's a pen live um, or just in general, you know, whether that's going national at some point, maybe uh, I could also see myself covering Penn state for, for a long time. Uh, Cause I do really like it. I like football weekends in happy Valley. I like, you know, walking into Beaver stadium as, as my home office, essentially. Uh, it's not a bad place to be, minus the the rickety press box that feels like it's gonna, you know, snap in half and fall over onto a bunch of people <laughs> when, Nick, when Nick Singleton makes an eighty yard run. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I like what I do, and I can't complain about it. Was there a difference between as a beat writer between covering Pitt and Penn State in terms of access, how you were treated, what you could do? Like, is there what's what what is the difference? What was the difference from those two two things? Yeah, look, in terms of the, like I mentioned with Penn Live and Post Gazette, being able to do the job I want to do is pretty similar, but the actual beat end of it, like the inner working workings of it were very like starkly different. Because um, think about it, it, the Pittsburgh Post Gazette is such an institution, uh, not only within the city, but regionally and nationally. Um, and, you know, there, there are some really good people that cover Pitt, but it's a much smaller beat. 
and at the Post Gazette, you're if not the you know the looked at as like the beat writer on on Pit, but um, you're one of those people. Um, and you know, for road trips, uh, for example, covering Pit, you're one of maybe like three or four beat writers that travels. And so for bowl games, for even like the game at Duke, like you know, seeing players and coaches at the team hotel and stuff like that, it's it's more. I don't know if intimate is the right word or, you know, more um, you, you, it's easier to get to know people that way, uh, I feel like. And so you, you definitely get more access as well. Um, you know, just comparing right now what we're going through, we're sitting here in mid-August. Uh, we just got back from a post uh, practice interview with Penn State. Uh, we get one of those a week and, and we do get a handful of players and that's nice. Uh, with Pitt, we got, I think it was four times a week. Now, the the, the thing there though is that you know, Pitt is in a city where it's not even the biggest football team in the city because you've got the Steelers and you've got the Pirates, you got the Penguins, you got all these, all these, you know, competing, you know, they're not, they're not competing directly on the field or the ice or anything, but in terms of people's eyeballs and people's attention, uh, you know, Pitt knows that opening things up, opening the doors up, more interviews, you know, one-on-ones, uh, practice availabilities, whatever, uh, they can do to get more eyeballs on the program is going to be in their best interest. Whereas for Penn State, they're so established and they have so many people that cover the team that not saying they don't feel the need to open things up a little bit, but they kind of don't have to really if they don't want to. Um, and that's not me complaining about the access that we get at Penn State by any means. It's just it's just different. Um, it's a different dynamic. And, uh, you know, it, it forces you to do your job a little bit differently, too. So, so. A question related to that, but then content. Was your content any better because of more access? And then how does the more fish feeding for the access change the kind of content you're trying to produce to, to get something to move the needle? Yeah, look, at the Post-Gazette, it felt like sometimes like the the everyday stuff is it feels more exclusive wow. if you're one of 10 people in a room as opposed to one of 100 at a media day, uh, for example. So um you know, the, the, in terms of dif trying to differentiate yourself on the Penn State beat, it's part of the reason why, uh, at least I've been told, because I'm you know, friends with my former editor at the Post-Gazette, one of the reasons why I got the job in the first place apparently is uh, was my ability to differentiate uh, my coverage when I was at the Center Daily Times and just doing different things, out-of-the-box things, whether that was you know, literally driving the extra mile uh, to Saquon's hometown and, and talking to all these different kind of people or whatever that may have been. Uh, you know, there are certain restrictions in terms of the Penn State beat, and you've got so many really talented people uh, on the Penn State beat doing that job and looking for those stories as well. So you feel like you have to work outside the box a little bit um, to get the kind of stories and the kind of you know features and everything that you kind of want to do. Whereas at Pitt, it was just like my life, my, my job itself was a little bit easier because I could go up and say, hey, can I get so-and-so for – 15 minutes after practice today. And they might say, yeah, you know, after practice today doesn't work and your head will drop. And it's like, but tomorrow works. I'm like, okay, cool. Awesome. Sounds good. Um, and again, I think that goes along with the, the idea that for, for Pitt as much coverage as possible is, is great for them, especially, you know, at a place like the Post-Gazette. So uh, whereas Penn state, you know, they've got so many other people uh, and so many beat writers and a lot of national people wanting to, to do things. Whereas I can't go up to, you know, Greg Kincaid or Chris Peterson after practice today and say, hey, can I get Olu uh, Fashanu for, you know, 20 minutes tomorrow? Like, that, you know, it just doesn't work that way. Um, and so there are positives and negatives to both of those, I'd say. I guess the the main question for me uh, along the Pitt versus Penn State questioning that I want to ask is, what is the difference between working with James Franklin or covering James Franklin and, and covering Pat Narduzzi? And, and do you have any stories there, Johnny? Yeah, look, I'll say this, like, I really enjoyed covering Pitt for the three years that I covered them, um, cover them the 2019, 2020 and 2021 season, 2020 for obviously everyone was a little weird uh, and trying to cover the college football team during COVID was was not fun. I'm sure playing football, you know, during COVID was not fun, um, but I did get to know, you know, Pat Narduzzi uh, well, I feel like I feel like we built a kind of a rapport. Um, there are some sneaky similarities between the two. Like, even if it's just like, you know, Pat Narduzzi not wanting to talk about injuries, um, I would always press him on it anyway. And sometimes he would give you something. Sometimes he wouldn't. 
and I think it's kind of similar with James uh, where he definitely doesn't want to talk about injuries, but you know, part of it is part of the job is having to ask. Uh, and sometimes like, if you don't ask, like he won't tell you, like, for example, you know, today after practice, we're sitting here Monday on the, on the 14th uh, of August. And he says, yeah, Smith Vilbert, you know, he, he had a season ending injury. This happened like months ago, but it's like, you know, so if you don't want to, if yeah, yeah, basically have to ask um, about that. And otherwise they coaches across the country won't, won't tell you about injuries, but um yeah, I, I guess the the one Pat Narduzzi story, though, and this is kind of like my probably my favorite experience from covering Pitt was being at Kenny Pickett's draft party. Um, I got in basically, you know, got the green light to go to that because um, I got to know Kenny's dad really well over the three years that I covered Pitt. And uh, and, you know, so I'm, I'm rolling up to Asbury Park, New Jersey, and I don't know where I'm going to be for this draft party. It's at like a bar. Uh, and I'm thinking I'll be in the back somewhere, might not even be in the main room. Cause you know how like the ESPN cameras like focus in on, you know, the draftee and the family and all that kind of stuff. Well, it turns out they put me like right next to those ESPN cameras and I'm like, okay, like this is pretty sick. And so I'm just waiting for Kenny to get drafted. Um, and when he does by the Steelers turns out like I, they go to commercial break ESPN. And so I tweeted out a video of Kenny getting drafted. Uh, and getting the call from Mike Tomlin and tweeting it before like Schefter or Rappaport or any of those guys had it um, and before ESPN had come back from break. And so Steelers fans on Twitter knew. Um, but catching Narduzzi's reaction to that was like the it was the purest joy in the world. And then after it, we, we talked you know, for like 20 minutes and 10 of it was on the record. 10 of it was off the record. Um, and and so that's I, I just feel like, you know, being able to cover him for a few years. Um, you know, Kenny Pickett's draft party is a little bit different than like a Monday press conference, but uh, I feel like I got to know him pretty well. And, you know, some of the, uh, you know, whether it's Twitter stereotypes or whatever people want to put on him, some of it is true and some of it's not. And um, I don't know. I think he was a good dude to cover. Um, and uh, I think James is too. Like, I, I it, you know, I, I like covering college football. And so you put a coach in front of me, I'm going to ask him questions and I'm going to try and get to know them. But um, yeah, I really enjoyed covering Pitt, and uh, it was it was a good experience. When you went away, and covered Pitt, and then you come back, you, you covered away. Penn State. Yeah, went away. <laughs> it sounds like we sent you to Siberia. Um, yeah. We did not send Johnny <laughs> to Siberia. Um, when you when you de- uh, deviated isn't the right word either. When you took a turn towards Pitt to cover Pitt, you come back. You prior to that, you had covered Penn State for probably four to five seasons and pretty much all of James Franklin's career um, up to that point. Did, did you and James have to kind of reestablish your, your rapport? Do you feel like you're still reestablishing that? Or did he kind of remember that, that conversation, those conversations in those moments prior, or do you feel like now that you're at Penn live, you're, it's easier for you to have those as opposed to at the collegian. You know, it's interesting because I feel like some days it's like when I'll ask a question, there's like a, not a game recognized game, but it's like, Oh, Hey, how are like a, a familiarity there? And then some days it, it might just be his mood on, on the particular day after a practice. There's some days where I'm like, Oh yeah, it's like kind of slipped right back in. Like the, the shoe still fits um, and we're rolling. And then some days, you know, I probably speak to anyone on the beat and they would tell you that some days, you know, it's just not there. Um, it, it was interesting though, because like you said, like you mentioned, I, I did cover, I covered James's first year because that was 2014. Um, and that would have been my, that was my senior year. So I was interning with the Philadelphia Daily News while still working at the Collegian as a sports editor. But like I was there in, in Ireland for the, the first game, uh, the Sam Ficken field goal. And throughout that entire season, um, I didn't cover them in 2015 um, because Jordan Rodrigue was covering them for the Center Daily Times. She does a great job covering the Rams now and doing a whole bunch of other stuff for the Athletic. Um, she was at the Center Daily Times covering Penn State. And so I started out at, at the CDT in 2015 doing high school sports, really for like a year and a half. Um, and then I didn't get back on the beat until mid-season of 2016. So Jordan ended up taking a job – uh, to cover the Carolina Panthers with the Charlotte Observer, which is within the McClatchy network. I, I think they still are. I'm not 100% sure. But um, she left midseason for that gig. 
And then they just looked at me and they said, all right, Johnny, you want to step up? And, you know, you've done this before. You, you've covered Franklin. You've covered Penn State. Because um, I covered O'Brien's second season uh, as a junior at the Collegiate. And I'm like, yeah, I'm in 100%. First game back was the 2016 Ohio State upset. So it was a great way to get back into the swing of things. And um, I, I think in that 2016 season, obviously winning the Big Ten title, 2017, they had a lot of success too. Um, you know, getting to know Franklin and, and a lot of the players and a lot of the coaches and the parents. But then when you come back, I think the biggest transition was, oh, assistant coach X, Y, and Z isn't here anymore you know, parent XYZ isn't here anymore. So it's about reestablishing yourself with sources. And, and you do that, um, you know, not only with the current players and the current staff, but, you know, recruiting, because I do think that's a, that's one thing that PenLive um, focuses on that I, like I would do like recruiting features here and there with like the Post-Gazette and stuff like that, um, but not as consistently as I probably should have, honestly. Um, that I'm doing more now with Penn Live. And so I feel like that's been a benefit, though, getting to know, you know, the high school coaches in PA and, and the areas of Penn State's recruiting, which now is, is nationally. Um, but then getting to know, you know, players' parents and stuff like that. So I think that's a, that's a part of the process, too. Particularly with the feature writing, I think that is what you are strongest at. That's what I know you for. That's what I read you for still to this day. Why do you enjoy that so much? Why has that always kind of been your bread and butter? You know, I, I, I just like I just like talking to people, and I like getting to know where people came from. Uh, Darian, you know from the collegiate, yes. I, yes. I don't I don't shut up. Uh, I really don't, and um, and I think that's a really cool part of what I'm able to do, and what so many other people are able to do. Um, not only on this beat, but in this business is. Uh, to just talk to people and get to know people. And and uh, I have a real penchant or a real, like, I really enjoy, like, the origin story. Um, and so, like, whether that's, like I mentioned earlier, I did it on, did one on Saquon Barkley going to Whitehall. And, you know, this past fall when I was driving out to, I guess it was the Michigan game, uh, stopping along the way in Medina, Ohio, to, to talk to, you know, Drew Aller's high school people and, you know, getting a tour and seeing the signs of Drew around like the, you know, the gymnasium and stuff like that. Um, I just, I just enjoy that kind of stuff. Um, and, and it's not just like the player profile origin story either. It's obviously a, a lot of other stuff I'm working on um, and a, a big Adisa Isaac story that's going to come out here in, in a week or two. Um, some, some people may have saw the, uh, the CBS sports feature that that was done on him with him having three nonverbal siblings and um, and a single mother and, and and his journey to Penn State. I'm you know kind of fleshing that out and blowing that out a little bit. Um, but it's those kind of stories that you know humanize the players and whether it's about a player or a coach or whatever, um, because so much of it is hey Saquon Barkley just made that 47 yard run or Adisa Isaac just had that that sack that changed the game and. So many people only know the players as number 26 or number 20 or number 15. But um, I like to kind of put not only a face, but a story to the name and the number. And uh, I've kind of always been that way. Um, and so I, I don't see that changing anytime soon either. You mentioned the broadcast journey is kind of like why you got into it or why you came to Penn State. I'm curious, in terms of origin stories, what were your influences? Why, why broadcasting? Why sports writing? Why? What, what, why are you here doing this now? What were the things you consumed and, and influenced you to be doing this? I read a lot of Sports Illustrated as a kid, mm -hmm. a lot of Sports Illustrated. And that was my dream, you know, in, in high school was to either be on ESPN, which I feel like every sports fan at some point, um, or at least a lot of sports fans, especially people in this industry, you know, when you realize that you're not going to be uh, the catcher for the Phillies, you want to be the <laughs> one talking about it. Uh, I thought I was going to get there at some point, and I, and I absolutely wasn't. And I wasn't going to play guard for the Eagles either because I was too small. Um, but I knew I wanted to get into sports pretty much in high school, and that was a part of me. Like we had like a TV program at our high school, Salesianum in Wilmington, Delaware. Uh, alma mater: Troy Reader and Andrew Zerbo, uh, <laughs> former Penn State football players, uh, and uh, got to represent those guys. But um, no, I, I just knew I wanted to get into it then. And so I, I opted for broadcast because I enjoyed doing like the high school TV station so much, but I also really enjoyed writing. Like I was in all the, you know, AP English lit, all that kind of stuff. I was like a bookworm and uh, was always soaking that stuff up. And 
so I knew I wanted to write or be on camera. And uh, and yeah, like I mentioned earlier, just the joining of the three, you know, student you know organizations. And I know PSN TV and Com Radio. They, you know, so many people have come out of those programs and do great work. But uh, the Collegian, just like I, just really, just I don't know. I just got down with those people. It was just so much fun uh, from the jump and. It was interesting because my freshman year was the was a scandal and, and Sandusky and the Paterno and, and everything that happened with that. Um, they didn't have me on the front lines, you know, doing any uh, any reporting on that. But I was upstairs in the Collegian Dairy, and I'm sure you've slept on those couches and upstairs, uh, pouring through the archives and just pulling out like old newspaper clippings of, you know, major, uh, you know, Paterno and Penn State. Um, you know, milestones and wins and, and moments and uh, and being around that newsroom early, you know, during all of that and watching everyone work. I'm like, one, this is a well-oiled machine. And two, this is what I want to do. Just like the hustle and bustle and the, you know, it was stressful for those people, I'm sure. Uh, I'm kind of glad I could leave at a certain time and, and go back to my dorm and not have to worry about, you know, putting together a paper that night or putting together coverage for all of that. But kind of seeing that firsthand was like a really good uh, introduction, I feel like, to to what I eventually knew I wanted to do. I guess, uh, speaking of the collegian, particularly, this is is three collegian alums. And, and, you know, everybody that comes on this podcast that has worked for the collegian has those stories and has those moments. Why is the collegian so important to you? I think, like, the first part of it is just like the camaraderie of, of everyone. Cause you're all in it for the same goal and that's to put out the best product possible um, while also really enjoying yourself. Cause you're college kids. Right. But at the same time, you feel some kind of responsibility to, to do the job the right way. And um, you know, even if you weren't going to pursue journalism, you still felt like an obligation to, to do to do things the right way and and to and to not let any anyone down it was it was always in my experience there it was as james franklin would say i'll pull one of his cliches out everyone pulling the rope in the same direction and i, I felt that from the jump with the collegian and that's why like you know when i was fortunate enough to be like an editor there for a couple of semesters i, I was like all right we got to be we got to be on that we got to be doing the same thing and so um yeah i just felt like and plus it was just a lot of fun like really good people um and i spent way more time at the collegian than i did in the classroom uh i was still dean's little student my, my parents would kill me if i wasn't uh but i knew that you know even <laughs> steve might not want to hear this but there were some times where it was like all right you know assignment in the classroom <laughs> or chase a story for the collegian and, and more often than not i would i would ask for forgiveness on the on the on the classroom work and and chase a story it felt like a job uh, but it felt like it was like um, but it felt like it's something that you could also just really enjoy and, and kick back and, uh, and teach too. Cause like that, that was my favorite part of it. Being an editor was being able to teach people stuff. Yeah. Um, no, a hundred percent on that. Um, I was not Dean's list. Uh, I can't confirm. I was not Dean's Come on, list. really? No, I was not. Hey, I graduated with 3.0. That's what I wanted to graduate with. Okay. Too many nights sleeping on the collegiate too couch. Many, too many nights sleeping on the collegiate couch. Um, the one other thing that I want to particularly ask you about, Johnny, is, is something a little bit relevant to today's news. Uh, the AP poll is out. You have an AP vote uh, for our listeners. Explain what that process is like. What does, what does, how do you get the ballot, or how do you even get a vote, one? And then two, what, how do you submit your votes? What is your approach to submitting those votes? You know, kind of walk it, walk us through that. Yeah, so I was fortunate enough that it was three years ago before the 2021 season uh, that Will Graves, uh, he's the AP writer uh, in Pittsburgh, does a great job. Uh, he approached me during, God, I think it might have been spring camp of 2021 for Pitt or just before training camp. But he was just like, hey, you know, we have, you know, uh, an AP vote uh, in Pennsylvania. Uh, you do some good work. Uh, and, and you have a good head on your know, head on your head and, and all that head on your shoulders. And, and we'd like you to have it. I'm like, okay, cool. Like I'm, I'm down now. I didn't find out until like a few weeks later that it's the only vote in the state of Pennsylvania. So that was like, Oh crap. Like that's, that's kind of sick. And um, so 
having that, you know, kind of given to me and obviously like, look, the AP poll, it's fun. Um, it ultimately the college football playoff rankings matter most. I'm not blind to that. Uh, but it was an honor to, to get it. And so I put a lot of work into it. Like, I don't like, uh, without naming names, I know there are voters for, I'm sure the coaches poll too, that they delegate to someone else to put it together. And I'm sure there are voters in the AP poll that might not, uh, you know, spend hours pouring over, you know, highlights and reading stories, but that's basically what I do. Like during the season, you know, I get back from Beaver stadium at whatever time, if it's a night game, God bless me. Uh, and I'm up for three, four more hours after I'm done working on my Penn state stuff, uh, to just read everything I can and make sure I'm not ranking, you know, one team above the other, um, you know, based on what happened that Saturday and based on what happened the Saturdays before. So the actual process, it's just like a link that you go into and it's like a little like drop down. You just like type in the team one through 25 and you can like, you know, fix it, you know, whichever way you want. And, uh, I don't know if you guys ever watched the league, uh, but Ruxin in the league always tinkering uh, with his fantasy football team. That was me, and that is me all the time with my AP poll. Um, but I, I try to, like, obviously have fun with it, and every Sunday morning I have a piece that comes out which is like, hey, here's my top 25. Here's my thinking on all these. Here's why. Um, because it's one of those where so many people are still interested and they want to know like people love to argue about rankings. Like that's just what people love to do. Uh, and I remember in grade school and high school, like I was a college football nut and I would always just be like, you know, why is Virginia tech, you know, at, at 19, they, they don't deserve to be preseason ranked, but um, so people care about this stuff. And so that's why I, I do take it seriously, but I also like to have fun with it. Have you, have you experienced the, the bad side being called out on Twitter? Like, and does it get ugly? Oh yeah. Like, like today, um, I experienced a good side of it because <laughs> I didn't realize this until uh, I'll give him a shout out. I think it was Connor Hooley, uh, oh Darren, one of oh our boy. one of our collegian uh, a collegian alum, a good friend, uh, pointed out to me that James Madison only got one vote in the AP poll, and that was me. I put him at twenty five, uh, and James Madison's football account actually tweeted saying like, "Hey, we got one vote in the AP poll," and they were hype, and I was just like, "Hey, yeah, that's me. What's up?" And so I got some love from James Madison fans just being like, thanks for ranking us. But there are, there are the opposite end too. Like there were, especially uh, part of it was when I was covering Pitt, um, you know, being a Penn state grad and covering Pitt, there's, oh there's a lot that goes into that. We can talk about that in a second, but you know, the AP poll specifically, you know, if I didn't have rank, if I didn't have Pitt ranked, you know, in the preseason or if I didn't have them high enough, uh, I thought I was always fair with it, uh, always straightforward, and because I did the explainers when I was at the Post Gazette too. Um, but there was always some pushback there, um, and uh, and there's pushback everywhere. Like you know, you'll find yourself on Reddit and just be like, oh, why is why does Johnny McGonigal at Penn State have so and like, yeah. So there's always that. <laughs> well, that's what the explainers are for, though, right? Like if you're gonna do the, exp that's what makes it. If you're gonna do it, you have to do the explainers, or or, or the, you know, to do it in silence is to do it incorrectly. And the James Madison at 25 is why 25 exists. I mean, 25 doesn't exist for the, for the, it may exist for the 25th best team in the, in the country, but 25 also exists for like 27 to 29, right? For somebody yeah. to put them 25, so there's some discussion and they're like a top 25 team. Yeah, so. exactly. Yeah, I mean, I just saw that in the official AP poll, preseason poll that came out, Iowa was 25. And that is the, the most boring number 25 I've ever seen in my life. Um, Very on brand for them. Just super on brand. It's like, yeah, they've got a great punter and a great kicker and a crappy offense. That's the number twenty-five team in the country. No, like well, give maybe me twenty-five. It's got to be twenty-five points a game, isn't that the thing? Is it twenty? Is it twenty-five or twenty-four? <laughs> yeah, that's what it is. Yeah, that's I, was, I think it's, I think it's like twenty-five or twenty-four. Um, what what a high bar they set for, for Brian Ferentz. But uh, no, yeah, and, and so normally with my twenty-five spot, I like to have fun with it. And early last season, I think it was UTSA. And they just kept rising. And I was like in Tulane. I think I was like the first team or first person, first voter last year to put Tulane in the top 10. And I'm like, they're good. And then they go out and they beat USC. Um, so uh, it's a lot of fun when, you know, your rankings and your and, and your picks and stuff pan out really well. You know, when I had Texas A&M super high last season, like a lot of people, uh, and then they go and, and crap the bed like they did. Uh, you look like an idiot. But a lot of people look like idiots on Texas A&M every single season. That's that's. That's what Texas A&M is there for. <laughs> exactly. Um, 
All right, Johnny. Well, we have taken enough of your time uh, this evening. We want to thank you. What do you want to plug? This is your your moment to shine. Yeah, no, I mean, subscribe to Pen Live. That'd be great for me if you're able to you know, click on one of my stories. And then, you know, if you want to read it and it's behind a paywall, which we do have, um, subscribe through that because then I get credit for it. That'd be sick. Uh, but stories specifically, uh, that Adisa Isaac story that I mentioned uh, that's coming out, really happy with how those interviews uh, turned out and, and think it'll be a story, you know, about a player, like I said, you know, that, that you put a face and a story to a player that is going to have a really good season and it's going to have a huge impact in whether or not Penn State is able to get over this hump and get to the college football playoff, which I do think they do, by the way. Um, and, uh, and yeah, so that story, follow me on Twitter, Jay McGonagall nine and, uh, all, all that, all that good stuff. All right. Hey, wait, who's your favorite band? Favorite band. Yeah. Uh, favorite living band is Weezer. Favorite dead slash broken up band is Led Zeppelin. So how much would you pay as a get in price to see Weezer at Beaver stadium? At Beaver stadium. I've seen them like five times, but to see them at Beaver stadium would be pretty sick. Uh, first, I would try to get a credential and then take the credential off and then go into the stands uh, or sne even sneak onto the field or the floor, whatever. Uh, but no, I'd pay a few hundred bucks. A few hundred bucks. Let it go, Darren. You young guys have more more cap, more cap more spending awareness or ability than, than well, cheapo me. I think, I think we're just idiots with our money, Steve. Exactly. Okay. It is discussed later in the podcast. We There might be a big concert announcement coming this week. Anyways, Steve thinks that you can't you can get into a concert for under a hundred dollars of, of a stadium venue. And I, I don't, I don't think, especially with the artist. That, yeah. Stadium that, venue. Uh, I'm going to see Nickelback somewhat ironically for $20 uh, in a couple weeks. That's going to be great. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, and I say somewhat ironically, cause I kind of like them, but I also we know. Oh, I know. Yeah, we're we're we know. on the joke though, too. Darren. Yeah. We're, we're, it's, <laughs> As again, folks, there's a lot of experiences you share at the Collegian. We'll just put it that way. Um, and one of them is a love for Nickelback. Um, all right. This was awesome, Johnny. Thank you for joining Thank us. You. Um, we will talk to you soon. Thanks for having me, guys. Steve, we will begin our discussion portion of the evening with some, some news today. Not a, Well, potential news that is coming, it would appear, soon. I'm going to – I'm I, this unconfirmed unofficial but based on people putting it together on twitter including myself it would appear that luke combs wait, is wait, wait, coming so, so you're recording you're reporting on yourself yes i'm reporting on myself yes okay, okay, is, okay. We're, we're that type of institution okay. now um it, it would appear that luke combs is coming to beaver stadium it Beaver's would stadium? appear that way well i haven't paid attention okay so here's what happened there was this there was this really cryptic weird tweet with this guy it's got a beard and a hat on Follow it. Yep. Then it got deleted. It was still on the Instagram story. Um, I grabbed a screenshot of it, pieced it together with some help of some other people. Allegedly, I'm doing like I feel like I'm doing the, the Pepe Silva. Do you know what Pepe Silva is? I'm, I'm okay. still with you. Okay. Okay. Still with me. I, allegedly, that is Luke Combs's logo. Um, so it would it, why would go PSU Sports send that out if it wasn't the stadium? Like they normally don't announce BJC concerts and I feel like he's doing a stadium tour or is in part of one or he is indeed. It's true. And also could Phil Phil. So I go to wait, you. Wait, wait, he's our, a country guy. You know Luke Combs? Well, I know of him. So okay. that's this brings me to my I go to our resident country expert, Steve. Um, Steve, will you spend money if Luke Combs comes to town? Depends on how much money it costs. Mm -hmm. I mean, it depends on depends on how much it is. I I and it in he's a better get than Blake Shelton was for the very first Beaver Stadium 100%. jam. It, it just a better but in in all honesty, they did just an okay job with that. Like they they didn't sell as many tickets as they thought they were going to. It was kind of a cluster mess. Um, so I think we'll get close. Will I will I buy tickets? Depends on how much they cost. Like I'm not going to shell out a hundred bucks to see him. I feel like you got to pay at least a hundred bucks to get in the door, Steve. No. You know how much tickets cost these days to concerts. I did. I just bought tickets last week at 10.01 a.m. in the morning to go to Pittsburgh to see a country artist. So, yes. Who? Ashley McBride. Of course it's Ashley McBride. I don't know why I asked. <laughs> hey, well, here's your trivia. Here's the trivia that links those two things. Mm. The opening act for Luke Combs the last time he was here when he played the Jordan Center? 
Ashley McBride. I know. Doesn't hurt. To, does it hurt to say it? It shouldn't. Um, no, I mean, I guess I, it, it depends on it depends on how much it costs. Like, cause they, I mean, he's good, but he's not going to roam. I mean, he's going to walk a little bit, but he's not going to entertain. Entertain. He's got great. He's got a good catalog of music. Uh, Fifty or so bucks to get in for me. Okay, let's 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 span to macro n- non Steve opinion view. You would agree that more people will go see him in concert oh, yeah. than than Blake Shelton. Yes, like, Blake Shelton. like to, I know who who I mean I know who Blake Shelton is only because he's married or engaged yep. or whatever to Gwen Stefani. I know who Luke Combs is and could hum one song, actually two songs, one of which is a cover. Right. Um, so no shit, that's true. In the past yeah. three months, right? Yeah. Um, no, but he's a good get. If if it's him at the stadium, it's it's the right person in the venue logically in terms of executing it they're going to have to up their game now it's a totally different administration and whatever else but the last time it was not super here's what i wonder and i don't remember this maybe you do who put on the production because i think that probably maybe had something to do with it because if it was like look at beyonce or taylor swift like they're they put on their own production and i would assume luke combs is doing the same thing so i feel like that's a better value. You're going to get well, it the was better a repeat. Experience. It was a, it was a, a repeat model. It was a guy from Iowa who was like the quarterback's brother or something like that. And they and and they had done like four other stadium concerts. Like so, when they were leading up to that announcement, it was pretty easy to figure out who that was going to be too. Um, so I think that was okay. It was the first time for Penn State. They did the right thing. They had something the day before, and they should hear too, right? They should. I mean, I missed this today, but man, if they do that, they should bring in. The acts from the brewery who are getting kicked out, like on a Wait. little stage the night before, right? And just do like a small concert the night before. It's kind of like when you have the outdoor game in hockey and you've already set the thing up. Go ahead and do Dirty a couple there. little yeah. things. You're there, you know? Um, no, I'm hopeful for it. It's the right guy. We'll see what time. I mean, there's only a certain couple times a year it can be, right? And they always announce these things seven months out, eight months out. So it's next spring sometime if it happens, you know, early summer. Um no, people will love it. People will flock here for it because he draws and he's big. And they've got the potential to be really good if they can pull it off. Yeah, I hope it I hope it works because it didn't feel like it worked last time. And I hope it works this time so that other acts can say, okay, I can come to State College and, and sell out a stadium. I, I think I mean we would I think we would both go see Bruce there. I think that would be one. Billy well, Billy Joel's like, Billy Joel's done, right? Um done, I mean but... the next bigger ones are are or Kenny Chesney maybe, but I, I he, Combs might be as big anymore in terms yeah. of what it is, and and Garth Brooks is probably not it is bigger, but it's kind of anymore with the politics of some stuff of his stuff. I just don't know that if you're you know Luke Combs is yeah. safe. Yeah, you know? fair, that's fair. Um, okay, I wanted to ask you about that. Um, yeah, we didn't talk about the brewery. I I I am upset about the brewery. I will just leave it there. Did maybe you sign we'll... the petition. I did sign the petition. Are we, okay. Did you sign the petition? Like, I did not. I, I did not. And I'm not even going to tell you the other thing that I have that's connected to the brewery because you'll be mad at me. So just never mind. That that noise. I make that noise a lot when I work with Steve. Somebody came out with a song last week called Cool Little Bars. And it Is almost the sounds mentioned? like. No, but it almost looks like the inside of the brewery. It's kind of like an ode to those kind of places. And I'm guessing it's Ashley McBride. It's hard to do believe, you, but yes. Do you love Ashley McBride or Pink more? Like you could only listen to can, one for the rest can, of your life. I, oh, only listen to. No, Ashley McBride. I can now see. Here's the difference. I can afford Ashley McBride tickets. So right. So I understand that's saying something about the level. But I couldn't afford Pink in Pittsburgh, and it wasn't worth it to go see the stadium, which gets me back to Luke Combs, because I'm not going to pay two hundred and fifty dollars to go see a concert. I'm just not. At least you didn't make a noise. You're holding it in. Good for you. Oh boy. All right. Moving on. Did you see the other news today that Penn State's going to play Ball State again? That's the other big news today. Are they um, really? Woohoo! Can't wait for twenty twenty eight. Those tickets will be under hundred dollars. I assure you, Steve. Yes, well, who, who knows? Twenty twenty eight is a long way away, and inflation a long way really away. And if you buy the extra add-ons for the autograph session and the NIL stuff, you know, you might it might get you up there. Um, moving on. Other things in the future. Uh, a Big Ten title title game might be moving. Um. Also to a football stadium, which it should always be played into a football stadium. <laughs> it's good. 
this one though is a little interesting and intriguing to me. This one reported from frontofficesports.com. They are saying that the uh, people at Allegiant Stadium out in Vegas and the Big Ten are kind of having some early talks about moving the conference championship out there. I much like I said last week during expansion talk and everything else, I think this is one of those ones that just absolutely screws over every fan, especially in the Big Ten. When you consider that the current location and then another, I think maybe current or future location with Minneapolis are all within reasonable driving distance for most of the schools. There are two schools of the what's going to be 18 that are within driving distance uh, by the time that this happens. And who knows, maybe even more. And I, I don't know, like let's like thinking about it logically from the fan perspective, if my team is going, especially in the current big 10 state, if my team is going to the big 10 title game at the, at the way that with probably not having divisions and 12 teams getting into the playoff, I'm I'm probably looking at at least another chance at seeing that that team play again in in the playoff, right? Mm-hmm. So that's so that's another game that's your your bowl game if you will. But that's also going to come what a a week or two after the, the the conference championship. There's a chance that if I if they're a top 8 team, I'm going to have to fly to a destination to see them. And there's a chance that if they win, then there's a semifinal game. And then if they win again, there's a national title game. We're looking at easy, easy 10 grand to to 10, at least 10 grand to, to experience all of those games. I am not good. that. So this whole point of me saying is I'm not going to Vegas to, to watch Penn state play in a big 10 title, unless I win the lottery, I think. I don't- I would like to think you're alone in that. Well, I would like to say that I think there's more people that feel that way. And I guess there are, but I, I guess the first part is they don't care about, nobody cares about the fans. They're putting on TV shows from different venues where they can get money, right? And 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 where they think they're going to sell some tickets. They're going to get some, people are going to make a road trip to Vegas because you can get a cheap flight, right? So people are going to- On a week's hey, notice? Maybe not. That's fair. Well, you can And like a hotel, uh, a hotel that is- respectable in vegas i mean you could get a very cheap hotel in vegas it's, right. it's but that's... No, it, it just it doesn't but they don't care nobody cares about the fans they, they, they people say oh they don't they're putting on tv shows and they're doing stuff they're creating tonnage of, of, of content and they don't care about the fans so... and the fans aren't bright enough to not show up and, and penn state fans haven't been not showing not bright enough to show up since 2000 what was the game at indiana where they Score at the goal line, right? Barely respected to respectably win. And then they come back to play Michigan State at home in the cold weather. They sucked that year. And the place is still sold out for a sucky team. And people showed up. I'm like, nobody wants to vote with their backsides and not show up and support the program. And that's never going to, it's just not going to happen. People are going to go to Vegas from Penn State or wherever it is. I really think it's going to happen. I, I think, especially if you would, if you know that, let's say, Okay, I I, pro- I would project Penn State to be an eight seed, right? So that puts them in the or top what uh, be top four seed or a top six seed. I guess I don't know what the math is, but that puts them going to a bowl game. It it skips the the on campus right, game. So now I've got a from Frederick, Maryland, or State College, PA, or wherever you're listening to this podcast, got to fly. From here to Florida, Texas, California, and then knowing that really only about eight stadiums right now can conveniently host and hold that game, the the title game. I said this when the the playoff expanded. I think I would skip the semifinal game if if gun to my head, like that's how it would play out type thing. Because I I don't know. I just don't think. Again, I don't. And I think that's a problem. I think your your point is 100% correct, but I think it's a problem because that is the essential part of the college football experience puzzle is the fans. Like that is what makes college football uniquely different from the NFL. And I think this, things like this and, and little things like this and little things like, you know, 
even sponsor more sponsors on games. God, I sound like you. It really just starts to wear down the momentum of of all of that, and we are now in a diet NFL culture of of sitting here on our couch watching and consuming all of these games because it's much cheaper, it's better, it's easier for me as a fan to do that. Yeah, and it's yes, one hundred percent, and and it's just. It's the contrived, you'll see the contrived stuff with the fans, like the, the Taco Bell student section at the national championship game every year when they got like 100 students. Oh, we gave the kick ticket students. We gave them these crappy tickets. We could put the camera on them and say they're the best students we could get here from their school. And we gave them tickets, but who knows how they got their transportation wise and whatever else. No, the Big Ten is going to take the money from the sponsoring entity, town, arena, convention group, convention bureau, adventure bureau, whoever, if we're here, whoever, to get people to like more people to come there um, on a week's notice. No, it, it might be tougher. Um, and I mean, that's, that's why I'm glad, you know, I mean, I was blessed. I had mine. I had mine in 2016, right? My brother and some friends drive out. We're driving out interstate 80. You get the, the BS and the talking and the whatever else out interstate 80 and you stop at a hotel. That's still four hours from Indianapolis. Cause you drove through the night. And you're going to get up at, in, at O dark 30 from wherever it was, Western Ohio and drive to Indianapolis to get there and get a spot and then walk around the town. I've had my Big Ten championship game, and I, it's great if everybody could get that. And it's a shame because fewer people are going to get it with stuff like this. Because it's yeah. just the, the road trip, the whatever else. You're going to Vegas. It's not the same as checking out Indy or checking out Minneapolis or whatever else. It's, it's just not. Well, and the other thing is, like, I think part of the appeal of Indy is, like, it's not over. Like, it is the show in town that weekend it, it's not going to be the show in town in vegas like it's just not like there's a billion other things to do there um and so i i don't know i think the conference title game loses its luster because then let's say like let's say bizarro weird scenario happens but maryland and rutgers make the make the big 10 title game or penn state and maryland which is relatively feasible i think maybe not relatively there's a non-zero percent chance of that happening. What the hell is the point of shipping everybody out there to play that game when you could play the game really so much closer? And there's, I could think of two to three closer dome stadiums off the top of my head that are in Big Ten country that, that would get the job done. Yep, yep, I agree. Okay. Uh, moving on. Um, Something new and exciting happened this weekend. Uh, the For the first time ever, I believe, in maybe Penn State football's history. Well, maybe not ever in Penn State football's history because that's – we don't know. But in the social media era, I guess we will call it, the, the modern era of Penn State football, uh, there was an open practice for fans at the Lash Building. Steve, let's talk about it from the fan perspective first. Is this a good idea? Is this a bad idea? It's a great idea. I mean, it's it, it's a it's a connection with your fans, the touch point. Um, I'm surprised. You know, the weather was iffy, right, on Saturday, so, so I'm surprised the numbers weren't bigger. Um, and it's also a revenue thing for the NIL folks, right? You get in early, you get the autograph session if you're in the NIL group. So, yeah, I mean, it's got it had some pieces of lift for life to it, except it was actually really real as opposed to just you know made for TV practice or made for consumption practice so no i think it's it's a great touch point and they it, it was it was um nice to see the paranoia didn't win out i mean i don't know what happened right but for the most part these kind of things don't happen because oh my god everybody's watching oh somebody could send somebody up oh, stop it right practice what you're practicing if, if you're doing something that's going to make you lose a game in those sessions because somebody saw 15 minutes of practice you aren't coaching very well so no i, I think it was win, win all the way around yeah, I think it was a good good experience. I didn't go. Um, I, I didn't see a ton of people that I knew that went, but it seemed like the the feedback was positive. It seemed like it was it was well received. Um, it's a good experience to kind of see that. I did think it was funny the the video board, the new video board had that message about no video recording. But it, we we just went to Steelers training camp uh, a couple of weeks ago and they like there's a there's several signs throughout the facilities that say please don't record video record this. Again, like you said, outside of a trick play which you wouldn't practice in that that situation or in that that development area. 
what are they going to see that that any coach on film isn't going to see? So I, I think there were a couple of hints of that in the articles that I read today to kind of get caught up. Um, apparently the wide receivers were just running verticals a lot and things like that. But I good for James Franklin to let down his guard a little bit and, and let people in and, and have a easy win, low hanging fruit win for, for publicity sake. Right. I mean, even if they're running straight pass routes, right. And it's, it's, it's all vanilla. So what people see it. Oh, I saw him at practice, you know, Franklin works the line, slapping everybody's hands around the thing. It's all, you know, rainbows and happiness. And it doesn't hurt the program in terms of the goodwill. Cause at the, at, at the end of the day, beginning of the day, they're, they're selling tickets. They're selling tickets. They're selling an emotion and a feeling to try to get those people to believe that they really care about them. So that someday they'll go to Las Vegas and watch championship game. I mean, it's, it's all one big long con of like entertainment, you know? So are we a part of that con? We're a part of that. I'm a part of that con. You've, you've wised up, right? No, I mean, yeah, I, I just think it's seeing it. Like, I don't, I mean, I would, if it, if the weekend fell right, you know, or something else and you thought they weren't, this was, you know, they're maybe they're not going to win. This is their chance to win the championship game. And they're going to have a tough draw. The next time, maybe you go to Vegas if you could find a cheap flight and, and pair it with, you know, a concert or a show or something. But I think it's silly when sports organizations don't take the easy wins like that, right? Yeah, yeah. Like for all it the practices and, and all the, the preparation and meetings and whatever else, to lose a, to lose one practice, even if they didn't do everything they wanted to do, is a win in the long run. And, and, yeah. and not enough organizations do that kind of stuff. No, that's 100%. I, I agree yeah. with that. You see that in the NHL a lot. Um where teams will open up their practices and, and fans will go like, I know people in, in DC go to the caps one all the time and it's, it's just something to do, but it's, it's a cool moment for you as a fan. So, you know, it's training camp, right? It's cheaper yeah. access to see the team. Well, and the yeah. other thing's coming too, right? They're having a fan Academy. They had signs for I saw that. So kudos to them for that. That, that feels more like the thing they did with football Eve yeah. five or eight years ago when they would do that in the stadium and, teach people the cheers and this is how we do that stuff and blah, blah, blah. So, yeah. Steve. All right. How about this? Let's cut a deal. If Penn state is the number one ranked team in the country, the time that, that they go play in the Vegas big 10 championship, we will go deal. They if have number to be one ranked. In the country. They have to be ranked number one in the country. And in one poll or both polls, any poll, the playoff pool. Okay. Oh, that's right. That's okay. we're talking. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Sure. I've been to Vegas in a while. Why not? All right. Perfect. All right. Last, last question or last thing. This week's old guy, young guy. Um, where was I going with this? This week's old guy, young guy is brought to you by the fan that sat behind me at the Pirates game this weekend. Uh-oh. So we went to the Pirates game this weekend. First time at the ballpark in at least six years, maybe seven years, a little bit longer. Um, really like the, the upgraded stuff. Um, they did move the pierogi stand to the other side of the stadium. That's the, over to the first base side, base side. It used to be on the third base side. So that's an important uh, call out. Anyways, we had a great time. Except the the fan, fan, I don't know if that's the proper term. The family that sat behind us was interesting. As you know, we went on Friday, which was the same night that the Steelers were playing. And I don't know if this guy was watching the Steeler game or what. But the entire game, he was sitting on his phone watching something, like watching sports. It was it sounded like football. Um, and then he, they had a three-year-old kid, I would say, and that child was also sitting on their phone watching something the entire time, which I understand. Like, you parent however you want to and screen time and all of that. But I, my question to you is, what is the point and maybe this is rhetorical, but what is the point of spending, let's call it at least $150 to go sit on your phone and watch sports while another sporting event is happening? I think it's rhetorical. Like I think I think a lot more people do it now than used to, right? Why? Because you want to stay connected. You don't want to give up the... Well, what I mean, are you guess, missing? I mean, even if it's the Steelers, I'm sorry, even if you're a diehard Steelers fan, it's a preseason game. Yeah. You're not you're not learning anything. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, the, the most you could learn is if somebody gets hurt, right? Mm -hmm. So if you want to go to the Pirates game, go to the Pirates. I mean, uh, we yeah, be present at where you're at. Like, I mean, not to sound old and preachy, and not that I haven't snuck a phone here and there, but you know. 
Yeah. I have no problem in between innings, even a couple of occasional in between pitches type thing. Looking at it down at your phone, like I, I do it. I, at Penn State football games. I, I go on my at commercial breaks. I go on my phone type thing. It's just to kind of get caught up and see what's going on in the rest of the country. But I, I don't know. That's my. We, this, I mean, that's my, how people okay. know stuff, right? I mean, the Penn State football games. That's how you know what's going on if you can get the access to the internet. How that's how you know what's going on other places, right? And that's how something bubbles through the crowd anymore. You know, oh, hey, this happened because. I mean, it's been a while. It's been what Michigan App State, right? Since like something's bubbled through the crowd at Beaver Stadium, and people have been waiting, for, responding to it. I mean, sometimes mm-hmm. it's out of town scores, but you know that's one of my pet peeves. Is like that's not consistent. Um, you know, that would be one of my it was one of the things I wanted to bounce off 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 the guys last week. Is like, hey, you're taking requests for stuff to to, to change because here's my list, right? Um, so yeah, there's staying aware with other stuff, but I think if you're there, be there I, I, for whatever it is. There we go. That's our. That's our. I was like, you got there. We're going to tell you to sit down or something because you were cheering. No, I, I was, I was sitting there enjoying a baseball game. I had a nice beer and pierogies. Went and went and bought a helmet cup of ice cream, which was not cheap. Um, no, it wasn't. It was not. Um, and it's just like it, I don't know. I don't get the point. Like I, I don't get the point. So, anyways, um, that's about it. All right, uh, let's recap. So, thank you to Johnny for joining the show. Um, we've got a big announcement on Wednesday again. Big, huge announcement. That's all I'm gonna say. Um, and then let's see. Uh, I've got an email. It's Darian at stuffsummersays.com. Steve's got an email. It's Steve at stuffsummersays.com. Uh, we've got Twitter handles. Mine is at stuffsummersays. Steve's is. At Steve Sampson. Uh, we've got a newsletter. You should sign up for that on our website, which is stuffsummersays.com. Um, other than that, five stars, thumbs up, all that jazz. Uh, stay off your phones, kids. Okay, bye.